Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Well, we've talked many times here how traumas in our life, even little, even as a kid, that you might even not even think it's a trauma, can really control your life when you get older. And with that, of course, life brings emotions, and we're going to talk more today about dealing with different emotions. Call them negative emotions, but they need to be dealt with. And how do you do that? Well, you call upon an excellent psychotherapist and somebody who does counseling, and I've got her right here, all the way from Canada, Marinella Trickett joins us on the program. Welcome back, Marinella. How are you? Well, hello, Steve, to you and to all the listeners out there uh, in uh, sometimes frozen land. <laughs> Uh, very well, thank you. I hope you and the listeners are uh, well and warm as well. Yeah, the the last time, and I know it's cold there. It's cold. I think it's cold everywhere in the in the in, in the Northeast. <laughs> Even down, I just talked to somebody in Florida, and they're 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 in, in their world. It's freezing. Really, we we take that in a second. Absolutely, in their world, and that's very important. The point of view, and this is uh, probably the the center of all of our conversations, our experiences. How do we experience trauma? I know in uh, your uh, brief reminder about our conversation and in intro, we were talking about trauma. And when we speak about trauma, perhaps another distinction that we, we have in a field is we refer to capital oh, trauma with capital T and trauma with small t. The capital T trauma, those kind of classic uh, um, response of the body after car accident, after injury of some kind, a natural disaster. But here we are expanding after every conversation more so on that um, trauma with a smaller T, that there is a, um, less activation every time per se. Nonetheless, the cumulative impact of it is uh, informs our functioning in our life. It really does. And again, uh, I think we gave examples like you could be a kid, you could be seven years old. And, and I've heard this, I had it when I was older, you know, teachers said to me, uh, you know what you are? You're an underachiever. Teacher said that to me. I was in 11th grade, never forgot it. And I pivoted away from art into broadcasting uh, which was fine. I wanted to do both, but I never forgot it. And there was another time, and and this came up in my mind recently, and I'm going to share it. I'm going to be very transparent. This is very personal. I was in second grade, and I started giggling, like all kids do. And the teacher grabbed me by the arm, swatted my butt, which today would be a lawsuit. But back then, she took me, she put me in front of the class as an example, and sat me down in a chair. And I told my mom, and there was a big thing, the teacher, I got removed from my class, was put with another uh, teacher. The reason I bring it up is, I remember in the past, I've had people say to me, how come you never laugh? And I believe it's probably because of that. I do laugh. <laughs> but I, I, it's, I guess, their perception that I don't, you know, like a big belly laugh or anything. And it might be because of that situation when I was in second grade. Call that a trauma with a you know little t, lowercase t. Or also another way of seeing it is adaptation. Steve, what you're describing is an incredibly big event in the life of a child. Totally. Second totally. grade. Wow. Incredibly big event being put on the spotlight. Blamed and shamed. 
Yeah. And here you are, the defective one for being a child. That is the functional message. Uh, all of us, all of us as uh, children, we kind of take away from experience like this. And there is the adaptation following um, difficult event. It is, I am starting to make myself smaller and smaller and smaller. And although what it feels like laughter for me, for an observer and participant, different point of view, of course, over time, I've got no reflection. Mm, maybe you don't laugh uh, that much. It, and then now we are pondering on that adaptation, seeing that trauma as adaptation to something that happened to us in the past that trigger um, a couple yeah. of very difficult emotions that uh, maybe for sure uh, we'll cover today. And you know, it if it was a different child, maybe that would have been different. Doesn't even bother them. Ah, whatever. Teacher put me up there, swat in my butt, whatever. Um, and we all deal with it in all different ways. Last time we talked about anger and sadness. And today we're going to dig into uh, two emotions that can really control us in many different ways. Which ones are those? Uh, Steve, you already mentioned um, shame, being put on the spotlight like there, that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Hmm. Yes. Incredibly big negative charge in our bodies kind of uh, is happens, if you will, that, okay, my urge is to hide here because, as also we mentioned last time, emotions, what good are emotions for in our lives? If they give us so much trouble sometimes, they informed us. They info, continue to inform us about our needs, how to meet those needs in order to survive and thrive. And each each emotion, uh, one of those few basic emotions, uh, give us information about different needs. Huh. Mm -hmm. So um, you and I spoke anger and sadness, give us information about boundaries, to do a lot with that, to do a lot with validation, invalidation, being seen and heard. The two cousins that we are touching based on today, guilt and shame, they serve a function for us to do with us being humans and a very integral part of our um, um, existence as a human being is that need to participate, to belong, to be connected to be part of in-group. In fact, really interesting research a few years ago in the field of sociology, actually not psychology, about the why Homo sapiens survived um, uh, in uh, Neanderthals, for example, didn't as a as a species. And one of the um, the very very uh, determining factor was Homo sapiens had social structure to their functioning. So inclusion and belonging, we are by far and have not ever been the biggest, the meanest beast out there in the bush. So we survived because we participated in groups and guilt and shame were those two emotions that um, informed our participation. And you share about one of those. Hmm. I didn't even make the connection <laughs> that it was about shame, but talk about shame. I mean, that's the, you know, the ultimate, um, even for an adult, uh, let's, let's pivot over to, uh, guilt. Huh. It's a big one, right? 
very big one as well. And I share their first cousins and often very much mis, um, kind of named, misunderstood for one another. What is the difference between shame and guilt? When I think about uh, it, I mean, I see it, but but I see a similarity between the two. I see it, but um, some, somehow let's, let's uh, crystallize, if you will, articulate the difference. Guilt, you mentioned guilt. Guilt has to do with our relationships. Hey, we are two people in a relationship here. You know, something happened. Let's say I do something. Intentional, non-intentional. Most of the time, it's not intentional with, without awareness that that would trigger emotion of hurt, for example, for you. That would trespass your boundaries that I don't have information about. So there is that emotion that is surfacing for you. You're giving me information. Hey, you know what? Um, I'm feeling hurt here from this act, this situation that unfolded between us. What happens for me when that relationship is important? Guilt start to rise to inform me, hey, knock, knock. This relationship is really important for you. Mm. So in order to correct and maintain the relationship, you have to go and offer an offering. Mm. So here it is. I'm talking to Steve. I'm learning Steve as kind of hurt emotions based on our interaction and uh, relationship is important for me. I go and offer the offering in order to communicate. Hey, intent was not to hurt. I was coming from a different point of view, from my view of the world. And this is the offering for me to express that. Intent was not to hurt. So that information, there is the need for me to maintain a relationship that is important for me. Coming from um, the fact that I am a member of the human species and that innate need to connect, to maintain relationships, to belong. So guilt comes when there is interaction between two or more individuals to help me correct that, to help, to give me information that relationship is danger, uh, it's in danger of kind of getting distance or discontinuing. So normative guilt comes to give me that information. So I bring repair and I pull back. There is rupture and there is a repair. So guilt is a very, very helpful emotion when it comes to that, to bring us that information. And what happens when, um, in your example, uh, if I may also bring very, very similar example um, with the client that I had been working with. When they were a child, um, their family were doing a um, child care. So there were a lot of children uh, all the time in, in their life. And here it is, that person, that child goes to um, child school age, they start school, and in their view of the world, you communicate with this child, you communicate with that child. This is how the world is. However, we know, well, school is not like that. We, we know, well, that school is like we sit down, uh, kind of we look forward, and there it is. The world started responding to that child um, in a very different way. No one sat down and kind of introduced the child. Hey, this is a different environment, different kind of functioning. Now we are getting into. As a result, that child very, very similarly uh, to your experience, you started to uh, be blamed and shamed and put into the corner. And hey, you are talking too much. You are bothering other children. You are taking uh, space. You're taking their attention. It's on you. You are the defective one. Something is wrong with you because you are doing that. And that started to repeat in that child's life. 
And here it is, as a result, that child starts to make themselves smaller and smaller and smaller. Their life after that was very much informed of that. So um, the guilt in, in that child was towards other students. But there is also the shame. The shame is when it pertains to my individual experience to do with my inclusion in the group. Meaning, if I consider I have done something that endangers my participation in, in, in that group that is important for me, and if I am kind of in danger of being given the boot from that group, what is the action urge? What is the, what, what would I like to do is hide. And even the, what we do with shame is this, hide. <laughs> so that is the reason why those two emotions, they come often mm. together. So in this example, or with that, that child, that adult now in their life, a lot of shame started to happen a lot of this self-talk hey something is wrong with me here is the teacher is telling me i'm constantly talking to other children hey here it is i'm constantly now the guilt towards the other child i'm bothering them i'm taking their attention away uh from from their le learning process and that began to inform the entire life of that of that human up until their adulthood and as a result they again began i began making themselves smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And I'm wondering out there for all the listeners, how many of us have had very similar experience, experiences in this or other context, whether it's school age, whether it's high school age, whether it's university, starting a new job, any time where we felt we are on the spotlight and internalize a message that the environment is telling us without actually having the opportunity of that environment to inquire. Hey, you're coming from a household where there was a childcare and there were constantly children that you actually played with. That was your world. That was the view that, that is that was your life. And that is how when we look at guilt and shame as um, emotions that they're very, very valuable for us humans in terms of informing us when the relationship is in danger, when we have done something that in danger our belonging to that group. However, when that starts to accumulate, that trauma with smoti <laughs> that we mentioned start to rise in our bodies, in our adaptations, behavior adaptations that happen as a result of that accumulation. When you work with somebody, are you able to take them back to determine what that, that, that small T trauma is? Does it come up? Uh, absolutely. And this is uh, the core of our work together. We start from the narrative. We start from the story. And as we go along and as we build that relationship, that rapport, that trust, that safety, we probably will mention every time safety is paramount in order for a person to share such a incredibly difficult experience. They need to experience some level, even minimum level of safety to trust, to say, Hey, when I was put on the spotlight, this is very, very, very personal um, experience. The spotlight. Now I'm giving you that narrative. That is again, the spotlight. A specific um, charge starts to surface. Absolutely. So let's say somebody is 
is dealing with a guilt situation. Maybe they were in a relationship. Maybe the relationship ended. And it takes two. It's never one-sided. Definitely. But let's say one person in the relationship thinks that, yeah, I could have, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. Uh, how do, how do you? And this is just you know hypothetical. Pick any situation, but how do you release the guilt? You know, if you're just carrying it inside, how do you? How do you? Do you confront the other person in those situations? Can you? Can you release the guilt or feel better just within yourself, or does it always have to be? With the other person uh, provided that let's say uh, for example um you are experiencing you're in in this situation you are experiencing the person that um the doer have done something and the other person is hurt as a result so here it is my guilt first recognizing because both <laughs> shame and guilt are um we have a saying very toxic we'll do anything we'll go to another emotion very often we go to anger in order to mm. discontinue that because it uh, this is so uncomfortable in my body as a felt sense is very very uncomfortable for me to stay with that hey the action that i have taken in the past have led to hurt it generated hurt in the other person so in order for us to be able to to hold ourselves that responsibility and again not in a that kind of putting on a spotlight blaming and shaming way but hey this is this had happened and this is the outcome what is it that i would like to do okay i would like to attempt to repair the relationship so in a very very small steps feeling that activation working with that activation in a safe environment and um also a very common path is to uh, identify that cascade of learned uh we mentioned earlier primary and secondary emotions that is uh, a guilt and shame of um great participants in that primary secondary re- learned response pulling us to go into other emotions due to the the toxicity and the s- sense of discomfort that is in the body that will like to, uh, <laughs> take me out of here so how do you do that by very 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 slowly arriving at that hey that happened and slowly mapping <laughs> the cascade of those different emotions that that layered one on top of the other and holding safe space uh, for that activated nervous system i mean steve you were sharing uh in terms of the shame and being put on the spotlight that i was two years old wow and my boundaries were also severely trespassed absolutely <laughs> yeah yes. and you know you bring up a great point and these are the things this is why you're good at what you do. I don't even think of these things, but boundaries, yes, even for a kid, but coming from a figure of authority, in my example or situation, yes. the teacher is a figure of authority. Now it completely changed. Now it's a, uh, a in that instance, now a threat because the teacher did what the teacher did. Um, and certainly, you know, something physical with even a swat on the bottom it, it, it bad as it is, but it was in front of the entire class. So that takes it to new levels. Um, in the time we have left, the guilt thing, let's say you're not truly trying to repair that relationship. It, it just in two people, 
they grow apart. Each had a pull part in the relationship. And maybe each carries guilt. Maybe only one does. For the one that does, is there a way to feel better and release that guilt without saying anything to the other party? Or you always have to. If it involves two, obviously, I'm, I'm thinking maybe you have to confront the other person or can you just release it on your own? Well, um, you pointed out very much dependent whether you would like to repair or to bring some level of repair in the relationship um, or not. Or um, let's say the relationship is um, severed irreparably sure. and you go your sure. own way, but you're still experiencing that emotion. Right. Absolutely. This is exactly what we do here too. And we use the therapeutic relationship as a model to help that very emotion to surface so we can give that experience different response. Gotcha. So even though the hurt happened in a context of relationship, healing happens also in a context of relationship, not necessarily with the same individual. I see something you just said and very impactful in that the relationship you have working with somebody, you may look at their situation and go hypothetical, the one that I just described. You may look at it and you may say to them, it really wasn't your fault. You may think it is and you're carrying that guilt, but it really wasn't. You, and again, hypothetical, you may say to somebody, you were just doing what you think was the best option or choice and maybe that ended the relationship or that strained the relationship over time. But it's it may not be the guilt that you need to bear. So, you know, it 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 and it comes from talking with somebody like you to see a different side of a situation. Yes, we stay together to understand that the action that we take, the emotion that we experience at any given moment, even at that time where that hurt happened between two people. It is always informed by our past experience. We bring to the relationships, our history, our understanding of yes. what the relationship is. And we bring to our relationships the little T's. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if our history is being such, if our if our parents, our caregivers modeled that, hey, this is what you do in a relationship, and this is the only model I have, of course I'm going to bring the same in that relationship, not recognizing that that may bring us different a different uh, outcome for another person, hurt, and then arriving at that, hey, that other person being responsive to their emotional experiences involves recognizing the impact of that. And that is what you described, Steve. Hey, seeing that it's not an excuse often. Oh, this is this is an excuse. Oh, you're just kind of excusing my behavior. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. It is understanding, understanding. the path. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. We understanding in order to be able to take that responsibility. So we, in the next relationship, we bring correction. Uh, you bring a clarity to a lot of this <laughs> and, and understanding. Wonderful. Yeah, appreciate that. Uh, Marinella, how does somebody find you? What's your website if somebody wants to start a conversation, maybe start some healing from the big T or little T traumas? Absolutely. We are here to help and support people. Website, tricketcounseling.com and tricketpsychotherapy.com. 
all of the information. We have our email address and our phone. We have two phone numbers can be found there. We are here to listen. Again, if any of this resonates with listeners out there, we are here to listen, to support, to map. This is a different language that we use, different words to map my life story in terms of a relational life story, in terms of view of the world, in terms of how that surfaced mm -hmm. today. How is that serving me? What is uh, that that is serving me from the past? Because a lot of it is serving me. And maybe look into exactly those moments that have impacted my functioning that I would like to change that. And what you may be thinking might not be the reality. You're seeing it from one side. See it from Marinella's side. Might be a little bit different. I want to tell everybody, Trick It, by the way, is T-R-I-C-K-E-T-T, counseling.com. Always great talking with you. Uh, love today's topic and uh, have a great weekend. Looking forward to next time we get together. Likewise, Steve. Have a wonderful weekend to you and to all listeners out there. And I am so looking forward to speaking again next week. Same. We'll be right back. Bye, Steve. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just got to hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. <laughs> no, you hold my hand. Here we go. <laughs> Learn about adopting a team from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. I learned patience from my adoptive dad. All he had to say was, Hey, you got this. Just breathe. Hey, <laughs> we're pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Might have to start a band. <laughs> I got it. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. <laughs> Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council.